0: What is up, Victory Hamilton Mill? <laughs> What's up, fam? Hey, real quick. Hey, uh, this is the first time we have ever done this. We now actually have the technical capability to do this. Is actually broadcast from Victory Hamilton Mill. So come on, let's welcome in the entire Victory family He's with us online and house churches. Goodness gracious! And country, Switzerland, Dubai, and Philippines are with us today. What is up, guys? Hey, uh, it it is good to be back in the old stomping grounds. Hey, if you, if you don't know uh, the the quick history, is that summer night in August of 2010, we actually helped to launch Victory Hamilton Mill right here. I mean, the, we we wrote on the stage before it was here. We wrote on the beams. There are scriptures in, in the names of loved ones. Some of your names are on these beams as we prayed for you. Um, there, there's, a, there's a rich history here that's just kind of continuing on. And uh, just before we dive into the word, I wanna give honor where honor is due, and that is to Pastor Chris and Lisa, who have done such a good job taking the baton, leading, leading VHM forward. And I'm excited for everything that God uh, is doing here in our midst. I'm excited about what God's even going to continue on today. Uh, Because if you are newer with us, then uh, maybe you you don't know. Uh, We've been in a journey. Just the best way to call it is a journey. Literally almost the entire year, a journey through the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount which is found in Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter seven. And now we are in the home stretch of Matthew chapter seven, talking about the golden rule. And so many of us know the golden rule. We were taught that even if we didn't know it was called the golden rule, which is what? Do unto others as you would have them do to you, right? So, but, but if you've been tracking with us, maybe now you know this, that the golden rule doesn't just like appear out of nowhere. Right, as with pretty much everything else in the Bible, there's something before it, there's something after it. That's the idea of context, right? Like there's verses before it, there's verses after it. It just doesn't appear out of, out of the blue. And in fact, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you is attached to probably the most known, most quoted verse in the world today. It's here in Matthew chapter seven, verse one, where Jesus says, red letters, do not judge. And come on, if you live in the same world that I do, you know this is the verse that everybody and the mama knows. Come on, they 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 don't know where it is in the Bible, <laughs> but they heard it's in there somewhere, and they love it. They love that it's in the Bible. Why do they love that it's in the Bible? Because in a culture of tolerance, in a culture of acceptance, whenever we hear do not judge, what we hear is all beliefs are right. Come on, how do you think you have the right to tell me I'm wrong? Only God can judge me, right? And so what happens in the culture when we hear do not judge, we use it as a way of getting people off our back. And so since we read it different than other people read and they read it different than we do, what happens is that Christians and non-Christians just end up throwing judgment bombs across the faith line at each other. Right? Like you see this played out in a thousand different ways. We're like, you're sinners. And they're like, well, you're a hypocrite. Well, you're going to hell. Well, you're judgmental. And so the question is this, guys what is Jesus really talking about here when he says, do not? judge and that's what we've been spending the last few weeks on but context matters context is king right here right let's find out what does jesus actually say and let's back up and then move forward so matthew 7 verse 1 through 12 this may be the most of the bible you've ever read in your entire life and that's okay jesus says all red letters right here do not judge and he continues on or you too will be judged For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. It's never good when Jesus calls you a hypocrite. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him, come on, Jesus? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Woo! Y'all ready? All right, so here's the deal. On first reading, if you're anything like me. Those verses seem disconnected. It seems like a mishmash. It seems like somebody just threw a bunch of the things that Jesus said up on the screen. But actually, as we start looking through there, we see that it's actually all connected. How Somehow judgment and and, and not giving pearls to pigs and, and the tremendous blessings of God all come together with this statement, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's actually all connected. And if you were paying attention right there, Jesus does not say, do not judge, stop. He says, the way you judge is how you'll be judged in return. So in other words, if you're going to start judging, you better do it right. Come on, let's just put it into, to, into the golden rule. Judge others as you would want to be judged, right? And so last week, if you were with us, we actually kind of dove headfirst into this reality of judging other Christians. Whew, y'all, y'all, your, your toes good? your toes good after last week, right? You know, Pastor Darius, when he started preaching, he said, curl up your toes because I'm about to step on all of them right? Like they, like the last week, here's the deal. Here's what we know. We, we talked about Christians judging other Christians that actually were called to do that. John 7, 24, Jesus says, don't judge according to appearance, judge with righteous judgment. So it's actually our job to call other Christ followers out of sin and upward into Christ likeness. But before we do it, you got to put the, the mask on yourself, in the airplane, come on somebody, before you try and put it on everybody else. You gotta get the two by four out of your own dang eye before you try and get the speck out of everybody else's. Put away your magnifying glass first and then hold up a mirror, right? Check out yourself. What is is God telling me to purify in myself first, right? But today we're gonna shift gears. Everybody say shift gears. Shift gears. Because last week we talked about how to interact with other Christians in light of the golden rule. Today, We're talking about interacting with those outside of faith in Jesus in light of the golden rule, interacting with the world in light of the golden rule. And by the world, what I mean is those who are outside of faith in Christ, um, the lost, the people who are not born again, people who are many of which are living as their own God. All right. And let me just say this. If you're in here today and you're not a follower of Christ, if you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. Come on. Are we glad? Come on. I'm glad you're here, you're in the right place. I believe that God has something really good for you today. But for the next few minutes, I need to talk to the Christians. And what we're gonna talk about is, how are Christians supposed to judge the world? Now, some of you just got way too excited when I said that. All right, you're like, all right, pastor, I've been waiting for this one. I'm taking notes. I got 10 fingers and I've been waiting to point them at all the sinners. All right, throttle back, throttle back. Thrott- all, all my Facebook prophets, throttle back, put the keyboard down, just put it away. Put it away for like 10 minutes, all right? Because here's the reality, guys. When it comes to Christians interacting with a lost, broken, dying, hurting world, one of the things that Christians do best is doing it bad. It's one of the things we do best is doing it wrong, right? So most Christians, I would just say it like this, are on one of two ends of the spectrum. Either we're condemners or we're compromisers. We're condemners or we're condoners. I can say it like that. Because here's what happens, guys. Here's what happens. I've seen it a billion times. Most Christians have the heart to reach people, right, who are outside of faith in Jesus until they sin. And then you're like, oh, no, you didn't defile the word of the living God right? And then we start fights and then we pick it and then we boycott. And then we're all known by what we're against and never by what we're for. And we hold up signs. Come on. I know we don't do it, but there are others who do it. We hold up signs that saying, God hates the gays. And then we put our signs down, go to Chick-fil-A and ask God to bless our sandwich in Jesus name. And we forget that not even one person ever have they been judged into faith in Jesus. Nobody lines up to be judged, guys. Did you? Did you? When you came to faith in Jesus? So on one side, we have like the the condemners. On the other side, we have the compromisers or the condoners. On this side, we have the people who, who are afraid to get canceled, so they say nothing. Right? Like, I, I don't want people talking bad about me. And No, it's okay. Like, I'm a sinner, too. Like, it's all right. Oh, you don't think it's a sin? It's fine. Well, it's not a sin. Your belief is right. All truth is truth. It's okay. You're tr-. I choose comfort over the commission. Come on, fam. I choose comfort over the commission. We hide behind, like, well, I'm not a pastor. I, just, I don't know what to say. So we say Nothing all while the men, women, and children around us just drift towards this slow, Christless eternity. So we have the the, the condemners on one side, and we have the compromisers on the other side. So what are we supposed to do? Here's the question. How are we supposed to judge the world? Here's the simple answer. You want the simple answer? We don't. We don't. We don't judge the world. Some of you are like, well, that disagrees with my theology, sir. Well, here's what Paul says. First Corinthians five twelve. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Come on, fam, we, we are told to judge other Christians. We are, we are told to one another in this place, in our small groups, in our families, in our relationship, if somebody claims Christ, we are told to judge with a righteous judgment, to call them out of sin and to call them upward into Christ-likeness into discipleship. We are called to do that, but how are we supposed to judge the world? We don't, that's God's job. Listen, I, I'm not here to judge sinners. I'm here to offer good news. I'm here to offer good news. What's the good news? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amazing thing. Context matters. There's actually more verses. Did you know that? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned. What? What? Already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world because the world was already condemned. God did not send his son to condemn the world. He came because we were already lost. We were already dead in our sins and our transgressions and our trespasses. We were lost. We were enemies of the sovereign God. We were lost. And since Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it, I'm not here to condemn it either. Come on, family. Tonight, tonight is Yom Kippur. It's the day of atonement. It's the day on the Jewish calendar that in essence, God prescribed as the day to forgive and cover over the sins of the nation. So on Yom Kippur, here's what would happen. The the high priest would sacrifice a goat on behalf of the sins of the people. Then he would take a second goat, lay his hands on its head and proclaim and place the sins of the nation and then send it out into the wilderness as a scapegoat. And so what would happen on the day of atonement, what they're doing is they're acknowledging the covering over of our sins and then the separating of our sins from us. So, guys, in Christ, we have the fulfillment of Yom Kippur. In Christ, we have the fulfillment, not just the covering over of our sins, but the actual death of our sins. Our sins are dead to us and we are dead to them. And not only that, because of the cross and because of the empty tomb, those dead sins were then placed on Christ and separated from us. You don't just have dead sins living on you. No, they were nailed into the hands and the feet of Jesus and separated from you as far as the East is from the West. And now we stand before God as clean and holy and righteous. And now it's our job to offer that to the world. We are not in the judging and condemning business because we were already condemned too. We're in the good news and the rescuing business. How much would it change your perspective on life if we actually thought, man, I'm not here to judge the world. I'm here to be a part of the rescue plan for the world. And guys, we've got, and I say we, meaning individuals, but also the capital C church, also victory. We've got to get back on mission. We've got to remember why we're here. We are not here just to be saved and to live a nice life until we go to heaven one day. No, let me just say this. The only reason you're even still around, listen, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You could die tomorrow and you're, you're, you're better. You die tomorrow, you're better, okay? But you die tomorrow, the world is worse. Because your neighbor needs you. Your family needs you. Your friends need you. They need the gospel of life. They need the gospel of truth that you carry. Wherever you set your foot, the kingdom of heaven has come. Listen, they need you to be salt and light everywhere you go. It is not our job to judge our neighbor. It's our job to love our neighbor in the name of Jesus. And here's the idea, guys. Today, if God is calling us to live by the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If I was lost, come on. Y'all remember? You remember what it was like? If I was empty, if I was lonely, if I was dead in my soul, if I was headed to hell at warp speed, the most kind and loving thing that a Christian could do for me is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, coming back. Share it with me. Share it with me. Share it with me. Love me, truth me into the kingdom. So the question is, how do we do that, right? So in a world that screams, do not judge me. <laughs> how do you have the right to judge, to judge me? How do you have the right to tell me I'm doing wrong? What, is, in that world, what does Jesus say about loving lost people to a loving God? What does he have to say about it? Here's the first thing. Here's the, here's the, the, the truth, guys, is that not everyone will receive our message. Not everyone will receive our message. In the the telling, in the sharing, in the showing of the gospel right here, Jesus pauses to remind us that not everybody's gonna accept the message. Now, here's the deal. Why why do we need to put that out there? Why? Okay. Absorb it into your life now so you won't get discouraged and give up then. Sometimes we need to hear things before we're in the moment. Right? When somebody passes away, you don't want to hear, like, well, God works everything together for the good. Yeah, well, smack your face <laughs> right now. No, tell me that before a loved one dies. Okay, so before you get in the trenches, you need to know that not everybody's going to accept the message. All right, and here's how Jesus says it Matthew 7 6. He says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Wow, that's hard. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So here, here's the thought, okay? I know it's, it's hard, like thousands of miles and thousands of years separated to understand this, uh, but dogs in Jesus's time were not like dogs we have today. All right, they were not like these cute, little cuddly, fat lick machines. You know what I'm saying? Like, Summer and I have two wiener dogs. Um, and the only time we have not had two wiener dogs was when we had three wiener dogs, <laughs> all right? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my main card at the door, it's fine. Um, But dogs in Jesus's time roamed in packs, like the streets, like eight people ravaged, terrorized towns, like that sort of packs of wild dogs. And then what about pigs? Pigs were literally the most filthy, disgusting, just worst thing to a Jew, right? And actually the the type of, of pig that was in Palestine was derived from the wild boar, which would also turn and tear you to pieces. Like, these things, these things could actually kill you as well. And so what he does, Jesus sketches this, this picture, right, uh, of a man with a, a bag of pearls. And I'm not talking about, like, Target. You know what I'm talking about? Like, my son bought, like, a $5 strand of pearls because Jock Peterson from the Braves and all that sort of stuff. Like, I'm not talking about that type of pearl. I'm talking about, like, real deal precious treasure, and Jesus sketches this, this, this picture of the man who walks up to a pack of vicious dogs and filthy swine. And they stand there and they stare at him and they're foaming at the mouth and they're, they're famished. They're looking for something to eat. They're fighting among themselves. And the man just goes, here you go. And he throws some pearls out to him. And they think it's food. And so they dive at it and they're, ah, they're biting each other. They're biting the pearls. And as soon as it gets inside their mouth, they're like, wait a second that's not food, that doesn't even taste good. And they spit it out and then they look at the man who just gave it to them and they maul him. And Jesus says, if you're not careful, that'll be you. When you just throw the gospel out there, we'll sprinkle out this good, holy, divine truth to people who are hostile, to people who are angry, to people who don't want it so when they taste it, they attack the one who gave it to them. Because here's the thought, guys. I know, listen, this this is me. This gets me in trouble sometimes. It's more beautiful than it is bad, but Jesus gives a warning here, okay? Some of us are just so trusting. Some of us are just so naive That Jesus says, hey, love your neighbors, you love yourself, hey, you love your enemy, don't be judgmental. That we're just like, hey guys, here you go, you want some of the good news? He says, if you're not careful, give a little bit of pause. Think about who you're interacting with, because different people require different methods. Why? Because there are people, let's say it like this, that are hostile to the gospel." There are people who are hostile to the gospel. There's a few groups of them. I mean, there's plenty, but um, uh, what about the deconstructionist today, right? Deconstructionists are the people who used to claim Christ. Now they heard something on YouTube and the, the pastor heard them or something like that. Many times they, they leave angry. And now what they're doing is they're trying to like shoot holes in the gospel They're trying to shoot holes in the church. And if we're not careful, we're getting the shouting match with somebody who doesn't want to hear it. And they're hurt, so they're trying to hurt back. Hurt people hurt people. So there's deconstructionists. There, there are uh, the, the humanists and the hedonists, right? The people who pleasure is their God, who just wanna feel good. And listen, you cannot truth somebody out of pleasure. And they'll turn around and attack you. There's the cancel culture. the people who are just looking to be offended. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, hey, here's a picture of a rock. Well, you don't, you don't care about dirt? Like, what's... Right? You know, And you just end up arguing with the wall, Right, and then there's the narcissist, right, who are just, they're too prideful to admit they need help. And they'll turn around and just just rip you to shreds. And if we just walk around open-handed, open-hearted, just doing this, what'll happen is we'll end up getting attacked. And here's why Jesus cares about it. It's not just because we get attacked. Listen, we there's a degree we can take it, right? But if we're not careful, we'll get discouraged and we'll give up. We'll give up. Because it hurts getting bit. You know, here's how Paul kind of says the whole thing, 2 Corinthians 2. He says, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. That is the cologne you put on when you hang out with sinners sometimes. Your gospel smells like oud de death. But to those who are being saved, we're a life giving perfume. Listen, so in here, whenever you're talking about Jesus, people are like, oh, that smells good, brother. What you wearing? Oh, you wearing Jesus? Put another spray on next time. You know what I'm saying? When we're out in the world, we smell a little different. We smell a little different. And what Paul's, I believe this is what Paul's trying to say, guys. I know it hurts us when the people that we love the most bite us the hardest. Maybe you got a spouse, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a brother or sister, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a cousin, nephew, whatever that is, who are hostile to the gospel, who are abiding, who are biting, who are abiding. But sometimes we need to remember this. This is, this is just kind of one of those things, just take it and put it deep inside your soul because you're gonna need it someday. Is at the end of the day, they aren't rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. I'm not the author I'm just the mailman. You know what I'm saying? Like this is you, listen, we all have to live by this. I put this on every single Sunday morning when I stand up to preach and people are like, oh, I don't believe that. And I, oh, that's fine. You know, like you just don't believe God and that's okay. Listen, but that's, it, I can't take that personally. Listen, the cologne that I wear is Jesus. The cologne you wear is Jesus. The perfume you wear is Jesus. And it smells different to different people. And so don't take it personally. Listen, there are countless people who rejected the message of Jesus. Does that mean that Jesus was a bad teacher? (laughs) No, it just means that God refuses to violate self-will, free will. God will not violate that. In fact, John Christostom, he said this, the decision to receive treatment does not lie within the man who administers medicine, but actually within the patient. We can lead people to water, but we can't make them drink. That's the idea, right? The patient has to, listen, you ever gotten medication, you left the place, you're like, ain't no way I'm ever taking that. <laughs> Same thing with the gospel. So Jesus is not sh- saying don't share the gospel with people. What he is saying is this, I believe this, this is, this is part of me too, is it he's saying that there may come a point where we need to stop talking to someone about Jesus. Don't give up on them. This is why I wore this shirt today. Love never gives up. Love never, just because you're not outright talking to somebody doesn't mean you're not praying for them. Doesn't mean that you're not living a witness in front of them to show them how you do it differently than they do and how your way works and their way is broken, right? Your way leads to life, their way leads to death. And I'm not gonna show you that with my words in the season because you've been biting a whole lot, but I'm gonna live it out in front of you. And sometimes, fam, we need, we need to be quiet so that person can hear from somebody else. You got any married folks out here? Come on, a few of you. You ever been telling your spouse something for like a year and then they meet somebody for the first time and they say the same thing, they're like, I've never heard that before. And you're like, what the, what the, what the? Because at some point, it's not getting in anymore. At some point, people just make the decision, I cannot receive from you. And so sometimes God has to send somebody else. But listen, good news is good news. And so sometimes we need to be quiet so somebody else can be loud. And I believe there's also something else in here that that, that the Lord is saying. He's saying, why do we spend all of our time trying to convert the hardest person when there are a hundred others who are thirsty, hungry, famished, Lonely, empty, dying, seeking, searching for truth all around us. There's something inside, and listen, I, I fall into the same thing. There's something inside us that says, like, "Oh, that guy's not a Christian. I'm going to go and confront him." Right? We're like, so I'm going. I need to stand outside a UGA football game or something with a megaphone. You're going to burn! Going to burn!" We think we got. We gotta like. T- tackle the hardest atheist online or like confront that Muslim in our neighborhood or something like that. All the while, your family's right there. Your coworkers are right there. Yeah. Yet we seek out the hardest person and then get discouraged when they bite us. And it's, it's like this, guys. We spend our lives trying to get water out of rocks instead of understanding that the fields are ripe for the harvest already. Yeah. Jesus was not a liar, guys. The fields are white for the harvest. Here's the question. How many times did you have to hear the gospel before you responded? It was a lot for me. I grew up in church. Some people receive the first time, some people the 20th. And here's the reality. You may be the 20th, so don't give up. Don't give up. But understand this. I can lead them to Jesus, but I can't open up their heart to receive faith. Only Christ can do that. So I do my part. And I let God do his part. I leave the heart in the hands of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will soften like a gentle rain, will soften that heart. And I'm just praying that if it's me or if it's somebody else, they come to eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. I can't make them receive Christ, but I can bring them good news. But I have to hold it gentle in my heart, knowing that some people are gonna bite. And at that time, I may just need to leave them in the hands of the Lord and then move to the next person who actually is open, who actually is open. So what does Jesus tell us about bringing lost people to a loving God? The first thing is, regrettably, not everybody's going to receive our message, even though many will. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Is that God wants heart transformation, not behavior modification. Let me say it again. God wants heart transformation, not behavior modification. All right. You know what sinners do best? Sin. Sin. Sin sin. So why are we surprised when sinners sin? Come on, guys. I know that I'm just, all right, this, just, uh, uh, just say, I-, I know I'm not a Pharisee, but just, just say this to yourself. I take off my Pharisee hat just for a second, okay? We stand back, and we're like, people who reject Jesus are pro-abortion? <gasps> People who reject Christ are (gasps) pro-LGBTQ. Wait a second, you're telling me that the government is conspiring against us? And is day by day moving us towards the end times? Clutch my pearls. (laughs) I can't believe it. Come on, fam. You see it online, you see it in our small groups, you're gonna hear it in the lobby probably today that we are horrified that sinners sin. Do you remember who you were before Jesus? You were the worst. (laughs) So was I, so was I. Here's a stunning reality. We weren't Christians, so we didn't act like Christians. Here's another question did your good works save you? How many old ladies did you have to help across the street and Girl Scout cookies to sell? How how, how long did you have to stop smoking? How many cuss words did you have to decrease by before Christ would finally accept you? Doesn't work like that. And one of, I believe, the greatest stains on Christianity in recent history is that we try and get people to be good before they know God. Why aren't you acting good? Be good, be good. And guys, here's the reality. Here's the reality embedded in Matthew 7 right here that we're going through, is that we are called, we are told to call Christians back to the lifestyle of Christ. We're never told to call lost people to the lifestyle of Christ. I know you may not believe me, Okay, here's the bedrock of Christianity. Here it is, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that nobody can brag about it. In other words, guys, we are not saved by our good works. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? Listen, there's nothing you could ever do to tip the scales to make God love you. Listen, it is the gift of God. This is a gift that does not come with strings attached. You are saved by God's grace through faith. You are not saved by God's grace through works. And if you were saved by works, you could brag about it. But since we're saved by grace, all we can do is brag on Jesus. And guys, here's the the big idea, is that our evangelism has to agree with our theology. For many of us, our evangelism is separate from our theology. We believe that we were saved by God's grace, but the people in our life, they're gonna be saved by their works. And I, I talk to people, I, I, I talk to some of you. You know, we talk to each other and we're like, I'm just so worried about my mom, she smokes. Or, or she's sleeping around, well, my son smokes weed or he's looking at this or my dad does that or this sort of thing. And so I ask people, I'm like, Are they born again? No. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what sinners do. <laughs> like, like I know it's heartbreaking. I know it's destructive, and yes, it is sin. It is sin what they're doing. It, you are not in you're not incorrect to say that is sin but here's, the, here, here's here's the problem, guys. if we're not careful, we'll end up condemning, working with, counseling somebody into doing good. And from that place of doing good, they will think that their soul is safe from hell. And the worst thing that I could ever do is lead somebody to hell as a good person. Let me make it real, 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 real. The worst thing that I could do is to convince A gay man to turn straight so that he goes to hell loving women. Because guess what? He's got other sins too. It's not like that's his one. Do you only have one sin? I don't know, it's just the one. That's the only reason I need Jesus. It's that one time I lied in eighth grade. (laughs) Oh man, you're broken! you're broken. Our flesh is weak. Come on, our flesh is weak. It's sinful. It likes pleasure. And so we will pursue it, especially outside of Christ, we will pursue it. And listen, guys, our our goal is not, not to try and get somebody to leave one sin. Listen, let me say it like this. What good does baptism do you if your soul is dead? What good does communion or joining a church or stopping sinning or stopping looking at porn or whatever it is, What, what good does that do you if your soul is dead? And this is where we have to remind ourselves is that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And so our goal is not to lead people to morality. Our goal is to lead people to Jesus. Think about it like this. The purpose of the law was to show us how far away from the glory of God we are. And then from that place of desperation to lead us to the one who can save us, and his name is Jesus. Listen, but if the conviction of our sin leads us to morality, we failed people because the law is incapable of saving us. Only Jesus can save us. Do you understand that? It's how the author of Hebrews says it. Hebrews 6.1 is laying out the foundations of the faith. It says, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Listen, our goal with people isn't just to get them to repent. It's to get them to turn from that sin and then turn to the Savior. Okay. If we're not careful, we'll end up creating Judas's. You know Judas, right? Judas rejected christ denied christ was felt the weight of his sin and then paid the price for his own sin contrast him with peter who also rejected christ who felt the weight of his sin but then knew it wasn't enough just to just to turn from that he had to have somebody who could save him from it and so when he finally saw christ he fell at his feet there is one type of person who, try, who knows that they have sinned and tries to pay for it themselves, that's Judas. There's another person who knows that they have sinned and runs to the only one who can save them, and that's Peter. Who are we trying to create? Judas's or Peter's, come on. Because God is not in the behavior modification business, God is in the heart transformation business. And here's the reality guys, Here, here's how I'd say, it, is that good works do not produce salvation, but salvation will produce good works. Because here's what happens when somebody, and this is your testimony, right, is that when you come to faith in Christ, Hebrews also says it like this, that Christ has made perfect forever those he is making holy. So when you came to faith in Christ before the Father, you were perfect forever. I know you don't feel like it, and that's because there's this thing called sanctification, where God is making you more holy every single day. And so that is the same thing we do for the world. We bring them to faith in Christ so they are made perfect forever. Now they've been justified to the Father. Now the work of sanctification, that God begins producing holiness inside their life. We're not saying that sin doesn't matter. Sin kills. But when we come to Christ and that sin is crucified with Christ, now God from the inside out, from this work of heart transformation, begins creating behavior modification. But behavior modification will never create heart transformation. Heart transformation will create behavior modification. And so it's our job not to get them to morality. It's our job to get them to Jesus. It's our job to get them to Jesus. So what does it look like to bring lost people to a loving God? What does it look like? What's the first thing? What's the first thing? I'm not up here just preaching myself. Not everyone will accept our message. Second thing, God wants heart transformation, not behavior modification. Here's the third thing. Be prepared. Be strong. And be courageous. Be prepared. Be strong. Be courageous. You know, a few seconds ago, we talked about the, the, the two ends of the spectrum that, that many Christians find themselves on. We are either the condemners or the compromisers. But thank God, there's an area right here in the middle called the courageous. We don't have to be condemners. We don't have to be compromisers. We can actually be the courageous ones. And the courageous ones stand boldly in the place of darkness and shine as a light and point lost, hurting people towards Christ. We can serve as a lighthouse. Listen, when you're a ship in the dark, you're about to crash on the rocks until you see the lighthouse. Then you know which way to go. And not everybody's gonna accept it, but many will. But many will. You did. You did. You did. And you can be that link in the chain for somebody else as well. Listen, that we can let our light shine so that others would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And listen, we, we get questions all the time. We get questions like, you know, how do I talk to my family member about Jesus? Um, I got the question last week. Uh, what, what do I tell a friend who believes that God and Satan are the same? I was like, oh, he's a new age guy, right? Yeah, okay. Got another question. Should I go into the club and tell people about Jesus? Here's kind of one of, my, one of my life beliefs, okay? If God is calling me to speak to them, maybe God is simultaneously calling me to learn how to speak to them better, right? Some of us are like, I just tell like it is. That's why nothing's happening. <laughs> All right, okay, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And it, listen, here's what I mean. So, so how do I talk to my family member? Okay, well, I found out that family member had church hurt. Okay, so don't go in there blasting them. You're going into a wounded person who has 12 inches of scar tissue around their heart because somebody said something, did something, whatever, way back in the day. Okay, so that situation requires that sort of medicine. So I need to meet you where you're at. I need to come and put an arm around your shoulder and be like, bro, I'm so sorry. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. For the person who says, "Hey, what what would you say to the to the guy who who says God and Satan are the same?" I would say, brush up on your apologetics. I would say, get online on, onto some good YouTube. I, I, like people like Rebecca uh, McLaughlin, um, Lee Strobel, like that that sort of group, right? Who who are actually talking about how do we engage a lost world on their grounds? Right? Here here's something here's something that, that I've even done. Um, they get to ask the first question. Oh, what? how do you reconcile the good God and the evil world? Okay, well, they've been talking about that for about 5,000 years, but let's give it a go. Give me a week. Let's meet at Starbucks. I'm gonna come prepared. You come prepared. Let's talk about it. But here's the deal. At that second meeting, now I get to ask the next question. What happened in your life that you would say that you don't, you're not interested in the gospel? All right, we're gonna come back here next time and we're gonna talk about it. We just do that. Meet them on their grounds. If they're an intellectual, they actually want intellectual conversation. They don't want off the cuff, just whatevers. All right, so if God is calling me to engage them, maybe God's calling me to engage them better. All right, should I go into the club? Now stop, just. <laughs> oh, Jesus says it kind of in this, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, knock. I don't know, I can't tell you. I do know that Jesus showed up at Matthew's house with a bunch of strippers and prostitutes and tax collectors, ladies walking around in glass heels. Come on, listening listen to Philistine music? You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus was right in the middle of it. Here's what I know, sometimes God sends you back into the place he rescued you from. And so if God pulled you out of the club, he might be sending you back into the club for a different purpose. Okay, but here, here's uh, Pastor Kendra said it like this this last week. Don't let your ego lead you where God has not called you. Don't be like I got it. I haven't prayed about this. I haven't sought the Lord about it. I haven't fasted. I haven't studied. But I'm going to go in that club and tell them to repent. You will get eaten alive. Like you will crawl back out. Of, what have I done? Right? Dogs and pigs, man, they'll trample you. First Peter three. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Guys, people need Jesus. And if we have not realized it by now, they're not all gonna come in here. So maybe that means we have to take them out there. And I wanna challenge you here, okay? To do at least two things on the other side of today. Okay, here's the first thing I wanna challenge you on. And I know this is a challenge for some of you, and so some of you are like, I'm just not even gonna do it, okay? I want you to be more involved in social media, okay? I'm not talking about arguments. I'm not talking about wars. I'm just talking about being a witness, talking about shining your light. We all complain that Twitter and social media is a dark place. And I heard this quote a long time ago and it became part of who I am. Why do we blame the dark for being dark? Maybe we should ask why the light isn't as bright as it should be. The dark will always be dark. Where's the light? And so I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna challenge you. There's some low-hanging fruit in this area. You know that every single week, the church puts out multiple posts. Share it, share it. Comment on the YouTube thing, comment on on the Facebook thing, comment on the Instagram thing. Be more involved. If you haven't seen it, that means it's not in your algorithm. Go looking for it. Type in Victory Hamilton Mill, Victory ATL, whatever it is, go looking for it and then share it. Be a part of that. Add your little comment on it. Engage with people below. Don't get in an argument. Some people will bite. That's fine. But just the people who are hungry and searching and seeking, engage them. Engage them. Here's the second thing. I want to challenge you to bring your family and friends in here, specifically starting in two weeks from today. In two weeks from today, we're kind of like in the middle of Matthew 7, which I believe is about the hardest section of Scripture in the New Testament, because it's Jesus talking about hell, talking about heaven, talking about the fear of the Lord, talking about false prophets, and talking about false disciples. And this is something that people need to hear. So I want to challenge you, just beginning in two weeks, this place needs people who don't need Jesus. Online, share it. We need people who don't need Jesus tuning in. Yes, will some bite? Absolutely. Will all receive it? No, but many will. But many will. But many will. And I want us to live by this, guys, and I'll close with this. Charles Spurgeon says this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Family, if I was lost, if I was empty, if I was hurting, if my soul was a million miles away from God and I was heading to hell at warp speed, the most kind, loving thing that a Christian could do for me is put their arm around my shoulder and share with me the greatest news It's ever hit the world. It's at the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and the removal of our sins so we can be at home with the Father once again. Let's do for others what we would have them do for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's bow our heads. Mm. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. That every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. But we are saved freely by God's good gift of grace in Christ. And God, we're remembering even right here. God, that we are not saved by our works. We are saved by the good works of Jesus. So therefore we cannot brag and we cannot boast. We cannot turn and condemn others who fall short of the glory of God. Because if it wasn't for Christ, I'd be right there with them. So right now, God, we lift up our eyes and we see that the fields are white for the harvest. God, right now we pray for brothers and sisters. God, we pray for moms and dads. God, we pray for sons and daughters. Pray for neighbors and coworkers. God, to bow their knee, to come to faith in Christ, to be born again, and then to be transformed from the inside out. And guys, here's the reality. If you're in the room today or maybe you're online and you don't know Christ, I have good news for you. There's nothing you could do to make God love you more. It's literally impossible. God's capacity for love is so great that every single one of us is his favorite one. And there's nothing you could do to make God love you less. God loves you radically. In fact, he loves you so much that even while you were his enemy, he died for you. And right beside that, the really good news is this, even though your sins are still on you, even though you are separated from God because of, because of unbelief in Christ, the door is open today. The door is open today. Good news, the door is open today. And today is the day that you can come in to the family of faith through faith in Christ. You can become a child of God today through faith in Christ. And so if that's you today, here's what I wanna do. I just very kindly, very soberly, I wanna lead you in a prayer. And family of God around these guys, I want us to pray together and let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, today I confess that you are the Son of God, died for my sins and you rose again. Jesus Christ is Lord. So right now I repent of my sin, I turn from my past, my darkness, my shame, turn from it. I leave it and I come into faith in Christ. I put my whole past, present and future into Jesus. The good, the bad and the ugly belongs to God. And now through faith in Jesus, I am born again. I am new and I'm a child of God and I'll live for you God. the rest of the days of my life in Jesus name and right now because of your profession of faith I proclaim that you are forgiven and God has separated your sins from you through the finished work of Jesus you are free in Jesus name and everybody said Here's what I wanna do, guys. We got just a minute. I'm gonna have a minute here before we leave just to allow God to kind of submit this inside our hearts, okay? Um, band's gonna lead us in a song. You may wanna sing along with it or just kind of receive it in your heart. And here's my prayer for us, okay? Is over this next minute that God would give us one person. This let Just let this be your prayer. God, who's the one? Who's the one that I either need to talk to or shine my light in front of this next week? So let's do this. Let's stand up to our feet. Let's worship together.